This week at AveMariaRadio.net's Poll of the Week, we want to know, do you think the bishops will draft a document about Eucharistic coherence? Let us know now by going to AveMariaRadio.net, scrolling down on the homepage and clicking on Poll of the Week. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. St. Joseph, he is, of course, St. Joseph the husband, uh, also uh, obviously an exemplary model for all fathers. Um, You know, popular culture doesn't often deal so well with the concept of fatherhood, but there are exceptions. And uh, join me right now to talk about the idea, well, the surprising dad roles in film is Stephen Gradanis. He's creator of Decent Films, film critic for the National Catholic Register. And uh, he also a deacon, permanent deacon, the Archdiocese of Newark. And it's good to have you with me again, Steve. Thanks. Oh, it's great to be here. Fathers in Film, uh, you, you've written on this. And uh, in fact, it seems to me you and I talked about this many years ago, too, about some of the older classic films. But uh, you mentioned, uh, you start out by saying the celebrated, uh, right now there are two most exciting names in American animation, are Chris Miller and Phil Lord. For those, for people who haven't identified them, who are they? Yeah, I've been writing about the portrayal of parents and particularly fathers in the movies for a number of years, and especially in family films and especially American animation. This is a medium which, as you say, has often not done um, very good justice to, to fathers, and, and I've written a lot about that. But uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are two of the most exciting names in American animation because they have written, produced, and or directed three of the most exciting and excitingly different animated films in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego Movie, and now they've won an Academy Award for Spider-Man Into yep. the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And while I was watching the latter, there's a moment where the father of the protagonist, young Miles Morales, who is the new Spider-Man, or will be, his father, who's a New York cop, says to him, I love you, son. And the boy replies, I know, Dad. And I got a flashback to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where there's another African-American father who's also a police officer, who also tells his son, (laughs) I love you, son. And the son replies, I know, Dad. You tell me every day. And that raised my eyebrows, and then the more I began thinking about it, the more I realized that these two cartoons really subvert one of the most pernicious and pervasive uh, portrayals of fatherhood in American animation, uh, the trope that I call Junior Knows Best. Mm. Yes, that's right, where the, the dad is being discipled by the son. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. and in particular, where the dad is portrayed as being kind of uh, ignorantly or uncomprehendingly opposed to the son or the, to right. the child's uh, um, best interests, to whatever is their passion or 
or interest, whether that's tap dancing in a happy feet or dragon training in how to train your dragon or sailing in Moana. The list goes on and on and on. And in all of these cases, the son or child has to defy the father and, and then finally be vindicated in the end. And then the father is enlightened and, and, and apologizes and, and affirms the son's uh, or the child's uh, chosen path in life. But that's not the way it happens in these two cartoons. Um, I'm, I'm curious, in older classic films, is that Junior Knows Best theme present or is that a fairly uh, post-70s thing? It's not completely absent, but there's certainly been a shift in emphasis. You can find it all the way back, say, in 1953 in Disney's uh, Peter Pan with blustering Father Darling right. uh, uh, talking about how it, Wendy is too old for the nursery. And then by the end, he sees the pirate ship sailing away and he softens and changes his mind. But, but starting with The Little Mermaid and the films of the Disney Renaissance, the trope acquired more teeth. And I think in the last 12 or 13 years, it's really become pervasive. It's gotten to the point where I'm, I'm actually surprised not to see it, which is why these two cartoons really caught my eye. Yeah, because they, because they, they buck the norm uh, in their portrayal of fatherhood. Um, that, do, you, do you, what, I guess the question is why do you why do you think that's the case? What what has happened to the concept of fatherhood? And uh, you know we speculate uh, about changes in family style, family structure, uh, family emphasis. Uh, uh, right now in American society, I I'm told that at least fifty percent of children are being born into uh, uh, one parent uh, homes or outside excuse me outside of wedlock, um, and that's got to change the way we think about parents and especially fathers because most of the parents, single parents are mothers. I think that that's right. I also think that there's a tendency on the part of the culture to see the children as the vanguard of, of cultural change, uh, of social revolution. And that affects the way that storytellers think. So you, what you get I believe the children are our future. Exactly. You know, let them lead exactly. the way. That kind of thing. So you get these, you get these fathers who are kind of hidebound and and sort of the vanguards of the old social regime. In the Little Mermaid, there's no fraternizing between um, mer people and and surface people. In How to Train Your Dragon, Vikings fight dragons. In Moana, we live on the island. We don't go out onto the ocean. And, and the children are the ones who are open to new possibilities and who challenge the social status quo. And in all of these cartoons, that turns out to be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. What I think is so interesting in these two cartoons, there's, there's really two different aspects of Lord and Miller's challenge to that, to that trope. In the first place, when the son and the father have a conflict, it turns out that the father actually knows something about what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Flint Lockwood, the protagonist of of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, a young inventor comes up with an invention that makes food literally rain from the sky. He goes from being an outcast to being a superstar. (laughs) And he turns to his dad and he says, Dad, aren't you proud of me? But his father has concerns about his device. He says, son, doesn't this steak look a little big to you? And, and Flint just explodes, but it turns out that the dad is onto something. Flint's yeah. device is malfunctioning, and it's potentially going to cause a crisis. And in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, young Miles Morales is kind of a social rebel. He he's, has a thing for street art that his dad, a New York cop, doesn't go for. 
Um, and he gets support from his Uncle Aaron, his cool Uncle Aaron. But Dad doesn't approve of right, Uncle Aaron. Right. And it turns out, this is a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry to spoil it. But it turns out that Uncle Aaron is a dangerous criminal. Right, right. <laughs> and and, and that's so, – so both of these sons have this kind of moment of, of challenge where they realize that they were wrong and Dad was right. Yeah, uh, this is uh... – yeah, this is the portrait. I mean, what about the? Let me throw something else in here. The cool dad. Uh, th- that's another form of uh, parental distortion here, where you have the the dad retains the relationship with the kid, but only by becoming like the kid. That's exactly right. Um, and you know whether whether the, the dad becomes cool or not, uh, he, the dad at least has to have a change of of mind in order to follow the child down his chosen path. And that's that's not completely absent in these films. So at the end of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, we see the dad and the son compromising on finding safe spaces where where um, Miles is allowed to do his graffiti. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but. I think that the, the the unifying theme here is that um, dads sometimes know what they're talking about, right. and then also right. the other part of it is the dad uh, not first having to see the son achieve and, and vindicate himself before giving approval, but first offering approval and support and enabling the son to achieve. That is the real revolution here. In both of these films, the son comes to a moment of complete helplessness and despair. And the father comes to the son with a word of affirmation and support, and that enables the son to rise up and overcome the challenges in the third act. That, to me, is the really amazing thing about these two films, and it is part of the reason that I love them both so much. Uh, the, father's, the father's affirmation and advice becomes the trumpet. Uh, to, to get to get the kid up and uh, focusing on the right future, that's uh, exactly beautiful. Mothers, where are mothers in all this? So, in in most Hollywood animation today, fathers tend to be this kind of overbearing, dominant, um, uh, uh, really a, almost a kind of of effective antagonist to the child. Mothers, in a way, are even worse treated because, by and large, they're absent. Most mothers in American animation are dead or functionally absent. When they are present, however, they tend to be well-treated. They're usually more insightful, more sensitive than their husbands. They play a kind of mediating role between the father and the son. And Mm -hmm. that happens to a degree in both of these films. So Miles is that rare animated protagonist who has two loving, supportive parents. But his mother gets him more. And the father is hard on him because he doesn't want him going down the same route as his brother. But it's the mother who kind of stands between and says he's having a hard time transitioning to a new school, go easy on him. In Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Flint's mother really understood his passion for science and inventing when he was young. She gave him his first lab coat, and he really kind of looks to her, even though she dies before he grows up, for his ongoing inspiration and his belief in himself and his scientific achievement, even when his dad has his, his doubts. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, 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 you know, that does correspond to a lot of family life. The, the dad is often the one who is trying to make sure that the young man is prepared to take on the world. The mother represents uh, more of the safer family environment and mediates between the dad, who's you know, tough and focused on the world, and uh, mom mediates between him and the son, who's still emerging from the more safe family environment. So it, it, 
it seems to me that corresponds to a lot of what I've seen in families. I think that that's really true, and I appreciate the fact that in these two films, the father and the mother aren't pitted against each other, particularly in Into the Spider-Verse, where we see their relationship, and it really is a happy and wholesome family, which, as I say, in American animation, that's just the rarest thing in the world. Yeah. Stephen, thanks for joining us on this Feast of St. Joseph and talking to us about how Father Knows Best in some of these films. Thank you. How do people stay in touch with you, by the way? Thank you so much. And you can read my piece at the National Catholic Register and Decent Films. Decentfilms.com. Thank you. Stephen Gradanis, again, creator of Decent Films and film critic for the National Catholic Register. I'm Al Cresto.